Uh, find a place to sit uh, comfortably tonight, whether it be your couch or your dinner table. And I want you to open your Bible uh, to the book of Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And we're also going to go to the book of Hebrews tonight. Hebrews chapter 12. Matthew chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to read first and then we will uh, discuss a little bit about what God's word says to us in an hour and a time like this. Matthew chapter 6. These passages will not be unusual or unknown to you because they are the words of the Lord's Prayer. And the Word of God reads, Pray then in this way, this is verse 9, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned from heaven, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Father, we thank you again for your presence and for the life-giving word. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, and I ask you to anoint the congregation that as they hear the word, they might receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name, and the church everywhere said amen. Amen. You may uh, take that seat, or you may uh, find a comfortable spot to listen. And while you do that, I want you to make a decision tonight not to get distracted. I know it's very easy to get distracted when you uh, are at home or perhaps uh, watching uh, online, and it is a challenge to keep all of the other things that are going on in your life quiet for just a moment. So you're going to have to make a conscious decision to do that. But we're going to learn together how to get through this process of uh, learning from the Word of God in these uh, difficult times. Now it is such a joy to be able to join you tonight. And uh, we have been so blessed in the last couple of Sundays to be able to have drive-in services. A drive-in church has been a blessing to me in particular. I don't know uh, about you, but I have enjoyed at least being able to see all of your smiling faces and to thank God that you all are well. Uh, as a shepherd and as a pastor, it does me a lot of good to see that. So we've been gathering in our 
uh, parking lot. Uh, you've been coming in your cars. I've been standing on a big tall box and preaching to you. And uh, it seemed like that would never be necessary, but we live in da uh, dangerous and unusual times. And so if you have not been to drive through church or drive-in church, I want to encourage you to be with us this coming Sunday and every Sunday uh, from now on and including Wednesday nights as well uh, because we're going to uh, continue to offer this uh, service to you as uh, a community and as members of Kingsway Church. I want you to come to church. I want you to feel safe in coming to church, but I don't want you to stop being uh, near the house of prayer because the Bible tells us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some, especially and all the more as you see the days approaching. And the text there uh, encourages us to encourage one another, but it also seems to imply that while uh, things get real serious on the earth toward the end of the church age, that the pressure of, of a changing world is going to drive a lot of people away from the house of God. And uh, that means that you're going to have to make a conscious effort to seek uh, to be near the house of prayer. So make that decision if you haven't already. And I want to do, I want to encourage you to do that, especially because this coming Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week. And uh, this, uh, this pandemic that is uh, facing our world is a challenge, and many people uh, are uh, discouraged about the Easter and uh, resurrection celebrations, but uh, you and I have an opportunity to come to the house of God and uh, through this drive-in church to be able to hear the word of God and celebrate the presence of God. So I want to just encourage you and invite you to be part of our Sunday uh, service, 10 a.m., on the campus of Kingsway Church, that's 100 Jose Ramos Lane, come out to Kingsway Church and uh, in the safety of your car, hear the good news. This Sunday is Palm Sunday. We want you to be a part of this celebration. Uh, Palm Sunday reminds us and celebrates the day when Jesus triumphantly entered the city of Jerusalem and was declared king by those who received him with palm branches. And their celebration uh, was one of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You are going to have an opportunity this Sunday to be at the house of prayer and to celebrate King Jesus. And I just remind everybody that in the midst of all of these things that are going on in our world, Jesus is King. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the rule and the reign of Jesus. And then uh, we have a special Holy Week celebration next Wednesday. I want you to make plans to be here at uh, Bible study for our Bible study on Wednesday night. We're going to have a drive-in Bible study next Wednesday. And then next Friday, on Good Friday, we'll be having a drive-in as well for you to come and celebrate Good Friday and Communion uh, with us, and then of course, yeah, Resurrection Sunday, we will be celebrating again. All of Holy Week, we're going to have uh, church and we're going to experience the presence of God in the drive in service. So don't stay home, be a part of that, and invite uh, your friends 
to come in their car and be a part of this a time of celebration. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the fact that 2,000 years ago the devil tried to cancel Easter and he couldn't do that because Jesus rose again from the grave. And this year the coronavirus can't cancel Easter either because Jesus is alive and he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Say amen if you believe that. And he is uh, at work in our lives even amidst this trouble that our world finds itself in. Now, I just want to give you a little, uh, a little survey of what we, uh, where we are tonight, because our world is changing drastically. It's changing uh, often and daily. Uh, but you and I have to know what's going on in this world, because I told you about last week. There's a natural response to all of this, but there's also a spiritual response to all of this. And so uh, I want you just to consider the fact that uh, uh, as of this week, more people have died in this coronavirus pandemic in the United States than died on 9-11 and that died at Pearl Harbor. And so this is a tragedy for our nation. Uh, It is a tragedy for individual families and a tragedy for cities. And unfortunately, uh, the, the models that our Uh, National leaders are sharing with us, are prognosticating a far worse picture for us in the next couple of weeks. And so uh, this is not really a time to let our guard down. We need to be praying uh, and praying intently for God to bring deliverance to our nation. And that God would bring comfort to those who are suffering tonight. And uh, that he would bring comfort to those who have lost a loved one. And I want to encourage the church to do that. If you have not been affected by the coronavirus except because of having to stay at home or uh, maybe be quarantined in your house, if if this virus has not physically affected your family, please don't take it lightly. Don't make jokes about it on the Internet. I know that there's a lot of humor involved in it, but there's really uh, nothing funny about it for many families who've lost loved ones and cities who are losing loved ones all the time. The church has to be ready to give hope and comfort to our nation and to the nations of the world. And we can do that best by being in prayer and by being ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in the midst of this challenging time. Uh, This global pandemic is something that is uh, so unprecedented in our world that 93% of the countries in the world are under some form of quarantine or under some form of uh, restriction in in their borders and their traveling. Now, this has not occurred in the world before. We are seeing an event that's taking place that's affecting the entire world. And it is a foretelling, friends, of the fact that there are coming greater and more devastating events to this world as we approximate the end of this age. And so, again, this is no time to let your guard down. This is a time to seek God, and this is a time to turn the lights on and to be full of hope and uh, full of light for a world that is surrounded by darkness. And finally, we want to thank God because at least here locally in Bee County, we haven't had a confirmed infection of the coronavirus so far as I heard at least as far as before I began this message we thank God for that we continue to pray that our county will will have God's protection 
and deliverance. And if you live here in Bee County, I want you to be praying for that. Uh, and I want you to be in prayer uh, for the counties around us and for all of the state of Texas and the nations of the world. Uh, so with all of that said, I don't want to say too much more about that because you can hear all of that on the news. And uh, sometimes the news is telling you uh, the truth. Sometimes people are uh, saying things they think are true but aren't. And so it is important that amidst all of that, that you and I go to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is truth. And the Word of God is enduring. And here's the fact about this pandemic. Things that they thought were true two weeks ago are not true anymore. They, uh, they thought uh, it affected only certain groups of people. Now they're discovering that it's not necessarily the case. And that lets us know how vulnerable our world is. And how fragile our world is. Listen, church, uh, you and I have lived uh, in the United States of America, most of us, uh, all of our life. And those of us who grew up in this country, we have never known the type of insecurity that our nation is experiencing today. Now, the insecurity that uh, is common in other parts of the world is not that common here in the United States. But right now, this nation and the nations of the world are feeling the hopelessness and the helplessness that comes when you just don't have enough solutions for the problems. When you just don't have enough answers for the questions. And, and it seems like uh, that, that security that we all felt uh, just a few months ago by living in the United States and having a booming economy can vanish just like that. And that's how, how uh, simple life is. Life hangs on a thread. Not only the world and the economy, but every single life hangs on a thread. And that thread, friend, uh, is, is so vital because uh, to, to leave this life is to be in eternity. And the things we're dealing with tonight are are things that have eternal complications and eternal questions. They have eternal consequences. And so tonight I want to point you to the cross and I want you to point you to the word of God because that's where the truth is that doesn't change. That's where the truth is that doesn't vary with the times. The Bible says in Psalm 46 that though the mountains should fall into the heart of the sea and though the earth should change, God is our refuge. Why? Because he is the, he is the eternal and unchanging God. He is the one whose life does not hang on a thread, uh, whose future does not hang on the whim of a single thread, but rather he is the God who holds the world in his hand. And tonight, I want you to know, and I want you to think about this. You and I are not at the mercy of the coronavirus. Say amen, somebody. And you and I are not at the mercy of a, of a, uh, of a worried or fearful economy uh, or a, a situation uh, that is unknown. You and I are not at the whim of a fate that is capricious. We're not even at the whim of random chance events. You and I are at the mercy of a loving God. And he has captured us in his hands. And he is going to sustain you and hold you up because he has promised to do so in his word. And so long as you take refuge in him, you'll have safety and security. You'll have the peace that he offers and that he provides. Now Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. 
this is a very well-known prayer, and there are just a couple things I want to mention out of it tonight. But I want you to remember this prayer in the days to come because uh, it is a prayer for all seasons. It is not really a prayer that Jesus wanted us to repeat uh, in a repetitive way, but it is a formula for how we are to pray. And in this time, uh, there is perhaps not a lot you can do, but there is one very important thing and very powerful thing you can do, and that is you can pray. You can seek uh, the face and help of God, and he says, call upon me and I'll answer you. That's the promise of God for your life tonight. And so I want you to look at this prayer. We're going to take a quick bird's eye view of the Lord's Prayer tonight. And then I want you to study a few points with me uh, for just a moment. But look at, look at this. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Pray then in this way. So Jesus is giving us a formula for prayer. He says, our Father who is in heaven. First of all, Jesus is teaching us that when we pray, we begin our prayer with adoration. We begin our prayer with worship. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's, he's letting us know that the beginning of all prayer is praise and adoration to God. Listen, you always have something to thank God for. And you always have something to praise God for. Say amen, somebody. You say, Pastor... Uh, I'm in a financial situation I don't know my way out of. Pray and praise God. You say, Pastor, I'm in a health situation I don't know my way out of. Pray and praise God. Praise changes the atmosphere of your life. Praise changes the atmosphere of a church. And it changes the atmosphere of a nation. And so in the middle of the darkest night of your life, you open your mouth and begin to praise God and worship Him. And you're going to find that He... Uh, inhabits the praise of his people. He comes down and visits you. If you get tired of being in quarantine, you feel alone. Uh, you get tired of being in your house because there's a stay-at-home order in your community. Start praising God. The presence of God will make all the difference in your life. And in this adoration, Jesus teaches us that God is our Father. Listen, friend, God is not everyone's Father. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, he's your father tonight. You can call him father tonight. He says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now he's teaching us submission. Every prayer must begin in praise. And every prayer must include submission. What do you mean submission, pastor? Submission is when we say, God, not my way your way. Not my will, your will. I'm submitting to your will. I'm submitting to your way. Listen, there are a lot of times that we might think we have a better idea than God about how he should do something. But friends, I encourage you to submit to God. And the Bible says to submit to God and the enemy will flee from you. When you submit yourself to God, you put yourself under God's covering. And you say, okay, God, I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to leave the consequences to you. And guess what? When you do that, you come under the blessing of God over your life. And so Jesus teaches us to say, God, I submit to you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, friend, God wants to invade earth with heaven. God wants to bring his presence down and fill the earth. 
And tonight, or wherever you are, he wants to fill your life. And that, that invitation is simply saying, God, I submit to you. Every life that ever yielded to God has received God's presence and God's blessing. And friend, there's nothing more beautiful than that in all the earth, I'll assure you. And then in verse 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now he's going to the petition. He begins with adoration. Then he talks and teaches us submission. And then he teaches us to make our request to God, to make our petition known to God. You know, God is not afraid of you asking him for the things that you need and desire. He says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. So that whoever asks receives, whoever seeks finds, and whoever knocks, the door is open to him. God is not worried about you asking for too much or too big. God wants you to ask. In fact, he says in his word, you have not because you ask not. So what's the remedy there? Ask. Talk to God today. Tell him what you need. And right now we're praying some big things. The psalm here, teach, pardon the prayer here, teaches us to pray for our daily bread. Now that might seem like a very small thing, but when you study the Bible, you start to understand that daily bread doesn't just mean the meals we eat today, but daily bread also refers to our healing. It refers to our restored relationships. It refers to our supernatural provision. Daily bread affects all of those areas of our life. And friend, right now we're asking God for some big things. And we're saying, God, we need not only daily bread, but we need healing for our nation. We need healing for the world. We need a vaccine. We need a, a, a remedy, a solution, and we need it now. And God is able to do that if you and I will call upon him in faith. And then verse 12, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now we see him going to confession. And he's confessing, uh, he's telling us to go to God and confess our sin to God. And say, God, I have to confess. I haven't been loving my neighbor. I haven't been uh, walking purely. There's been temptations I've succumbed to. And God I want you to come and confess those things to him. The psalmist said this, Psalmist David, he said, When I did not confess, it became rottenness to my bones. Listen, a guilty conscience is a terrible thing. It makes you do things you wouldn't do normally. It makes you feel weighted and burdened. But when you deliver your conscience by bringing your sin to God, and he washes that sin away as if it never happened, and you find peace with God, that confession of your sin brings uh, healing into your life. And the Bible says that if, if you will confess your sin to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. So confession is a very important part of this. You know, Daniel prayed. And Daniel was one of the most righteous men in all of the Bible. Really one of the most righteous men in all of history. And God made him the prime minister of the Persian Empire when it uh, took over the land that is currently known as Iraq. And do you know that the scripture tells us that Daniel prayed and he said, we have sinned. When he was praying for the nation of Israel, he was praying for their deliverance. He was praying for their restoration. He didn't say they have sinned. He said, we have sinned. 
Listen, this, this situation we're in today gives us all an opportunity to say, God, I have sinned. And every man and every woman take responsibility for the ways that we have ignored God in our lifestyle, in our culture. And we have to acknowledge we have sinned against God in the church and in the world. There is a world that's sinning, and there's a church that has sinned by neglecting the things of God. All of us need to do the same thing and confess before God. And he says that we'll confess that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And then Jesus teaches us this last thing, and he says, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Now listen, he's ending with adoration. He's ending with praise. He's concluding his prayer with praise to the living God. Listen, you might say, Pastor, I don't really feel like praising God. I don't feel like there's a lot to praise God about right now. now but I want you to know that if you just stop thinking like that just for a minute, just look at your life and think of the goodness of God in your life. Uh, you know, it, only in America could we gain weight in a quarantine, right? This is the thing that's happening in a lot of people's homes. We have so much more food than we're used to now. And this is a, a reality that's going on in a lot of places. If that's going on in your house, thank God and praise him for that. And if you say, uh, Pastor Isaac, I want to thank God because I needed some rest. I needed a break. I was getting burned out at work. I was getting burned out doing these different things. And now I've got a chance to take some time to rest. Praise God for that. And you say, Pastor, I want to praise God because I got to go to church this past Sunday, even though I sat in my car and, and I got to hear the sermon, I got to hear the word. But some people didn't get to go to church and didn't get to uh, be in the, in the uh, house of prayer. So you take advantage of that and praise God for it because uh, there's always something in our life to praise God about. Now what is Jesus teaching us? When we pray, adoration, submission, petition, confession, adoration. Now here's the thing I want to focus on tonight for the time that remains. He uses this phrase a couple of times in the prayer. First of all, uh, in verse 10, he says, your kingdom come. Everyone say that with me. Your kingdom come. You know, this is a prayer right now that America needs and that the church needs. We need to say, God, let your kingdom come. Do you know that the kingdom of God has never known a pandemic? The kingdom of God has never known economic collapse or confusion. The kingdom of God has never known a, a, a strategic meltdown. The, the kingdom of God is the eternal kingdom of the eternal God. And our God is flawless. He's perfect. And tonight, we need to be praying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come and fill my life and come and fill uh, this nation and the world. What kind of kingdom do we have? Well, first of all, we have a king in our kingdom who has conquered death. Our king has conquered the grave. Say amen, somebody. And he has overcome Every power of sickness and disease. Listen, friends, you and I have a king who knows no end to his reign. He will be king for all of eternity. And this is a source of great confidence and great hope to my heart tonight. This is what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6. He said, I saw the Lord high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah was describing the throne room 
of God. He was saying that he saw God. And listen to the details. He says he was high. That means he was above every other thing. Listen, there's a cloud over the world tonight, but there's a God above the cloud. Say amen, somebody. There's a God above the storm tonight, and he is ruling and reigning <coughs> on behalf of those who fear him. And in the heart of every man and woman where uh, Jesus is Lord, there's peace tonight. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. He's the king of peace. Isaiah says he's high and exalted. And he's seated on a throne. He's the highest court in all the land. He's seated above all of the, all of the powers and authorities of this world. Listen, in our world we have, we have local authorities. We have state authorities. We have national authorities. We even have international authorities. But there is a God who sits above them all. He sits above rulers and above kings and above princes tonight. And while the world is in panic, you don't need to be in panic or fear or doubt or worry. What you need to know is your God is king and he reigns. He's in control. He's never lost control for a minute, not for a moment. Now uh, we see that this king has a kingdom and this is what the Bible says about him in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 8 through 11. Read that there in your Bible. Look for it. Isaiah 46, verse 8 through 11. This is a Bible study after all. So let's, let's open our Bibles and look at these verses that I'm quoting to you tonight. What did Jesus say? Thy kingdom come. What kind of king and what kind of kingdom is this? Well, Isaiah 46 and verse 8 uh, through 11, look, it says, Remember this and be assured. Recall to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things that are past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. I declare the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have been done, saying, my purpose will be established, and I will accomplish my good pleasure. Now, I want you to just look at that verse and take a deep breath tonight. Look at what God says in verse 10. I declare the end from the beginning. You know what everyone is being asked tonight? Every politician in America is being asked, when is this going to be over? None of them know. You could ask me tonight, Pastor Isaac, when is this going to be over? I don't know. But God knows. And God has declared the end of it before it started. Say amen, somebody. This is the kind of king that you and I serve who declared the end from the beginning. And that's not just regarding the coronavirus, but, corona, but, but regarding the very details of your life and the very outcomes of your life. Your life is not just swirling around in a world uh, aimlessly, but you have been, uh, you've been brought into covenant with God and he's declared the end from the beginning. The Bible calls him the Alpha and the Omega. He's the A and the Z. The first and the last. He's God before the crisis. He's God in the crisis. He'll be God after the crisis. He says as well 
in verse 10. <coughs> From ancient times, he declares things from ancient times which have not yet happened. He says, from ancient times, things which have not been done. He says, I declare the things that are going to happen before they happen. We studied last week how God shows us in his word how he has declared that things like what we're seeing today are going to be seen in our world. God knew uh, and God told us in the Bible, Jesus told us in Luke chapter 21, that toward the end of the church age, what are we going to see? We're going to see earthquakes. I read a headline this week that, that made my jaw drop. It said there have been 600 earthquakes in the last few days. You can't make this stuff up. This is happening in our world right now. And Jesus said there are going to be pestilence. There's going to be plagues. There's going to be sickness like what we're seeing that we can't, uh, that we can't cure. There's going to be terror. There's going to be fear. And, and Jesus describes terror. And that's the thing we're seeing today in our world. The panic and the fear all the way around the world. He said there's going to be brother turning against brother. And there's going to be false Christs and false preachers and false priests. Now, uh, false messiahs uh, proclaiming a false peace. And, and he tells us these things are going to happen so that when we see them happen, we'll recognize he is the God who declares the end from the beginning and he declares things that have not happened. And when you read the Bible, friend, literally you and I are living in the pages of Scripture on this very day. We're seeing the, the words of Scripture come to life before our very eyes and soon and very soon we're going to see the greatest promise of Scripture fulfilled before our, every, our very eyes. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back and we're going to witness that. Say amen, somebody. He has declared those things that have not yet taken place. And he says, my purpose will be established. I'm going to do, or, or what I have established is going to get done. And what I have spoken is going to come to pass in my life and in, uh, in your life. Uh, and this is the, the reality for us tonight. If I say to you uh, uh, something that I want to do, I have to say, I hope to do this. I hope to do that. But God doesn't ever have to say, I hope so. When God speaks... His word is self-fulfilling. And he says, my purpose is going to be established. You say, Pastor, does God have a purpose in all of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I explained to you last week that God didn't cause the coronavirus. And God doesn't cause these things to happen in our world. They are the result of us rejecting God. They are the result of us living in a broken world. And so these things happen, and they've happened before, they'll happen again, and more and more until Jesus comes. But here's the fact, that while these things happen, God has a purpose that he's at work in the midst of all of that. Some of you had some plans going, and uh, maybe some of you were about to graduate from college, and some of you were about to graduate from high school, maybe you're about to get a new job, so on. And then suddenly this virus happens, and everything comes to a screeching halt, and you wonder, will my purpose happen? God's telling you tonight, I'm going to accomplish in you what I started in you, no matter what. Say amen, somebody. 
Your future is not determined by the pandemic. <coughs> My future is not determined by what's going on around us. It's determined by our confidence in God and by the word of God which he has spoken to us. Our king has a purpose for your life. And that purpose will be accomplished. That thing which he has promised and which he has spoken is going to come to pass. You should say amen. Because of his unchanging word. You think God is wringing his hands tonight and saying, oh my, I promised my children I was going to do this this year. And then this pandemic showed up and I don't know what I'm going to do now. Not a chance. God is in control. I said, God is in control. You should say it too. Say, God is in control. Say that with me tonight. God is in control. One more time. God is in control. Say it now. Make it personally. God is in control of my life. Hallelujah. Your kingdom come because your kingdom and its purpose will be established. You just watch. When this thing is passed, the church will be stronger. And the believer will be stronger. And what may have been meant to destroy and to, to diminish the work of the gospel will only enhance it. So I mentioned, somebody, the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. That's ultimately what the verse is telling us. He's saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish what? Look at verse 10. Don't close your Bible yet. What does it say? I will accomplish my good pleasure. You ought to get excited about that tonight. God has a good pleasure. God has a good plan for your life. And he says, I will accomplish it. I will accomplish my good pleasure. Now the, song, the, the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is my prayer tonight for you and my prayer for me that you and I will say, God, do your good pleasure in my life. Now you stop looking at all the waves and all of the storms and all the winds and you keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to the king. Because he rides above it all. And while it might be tumultuous down here, you hold up your eyes to him. Because what he has spoken will come to pass. And listen to the words of the, of the writer of Hebrews. He says, We have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Everyone say cannot. Say it again. Say cannot. What does it say? Let's say it together. We have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, if you read the context of the verse there in Hebrews chapter 12, you start to see that there is a shaking that takes place. And right now, our world's going through a tremendous shaking. 
I don't think anybody could deny that. We're going through a health, a, a shaking in our health. We're going through a shaking in our economies. We're going through a shaking in our psychology. Everything's being shaken. And when everything's getting shaken, the purpose of God is established because God is saying, in the middle of the shaking, everything that doesn't belong to the kingdom is going to get moved around and moved out of the way. And everything that belongs to the kingdom will remain. Listen, what an extraordinary thing God is doing in our day that he's saying, I'm, I've, I've allowed the shakeup in the world and the shakeup in the church because I want to remove things that are not mine. And I want my people to discover the things that are mine. So that when the shaking is done, everything that wasn't of God is removed from our life. And everything that is of God, everything that is eternal in its value and importance remains. You know how significant the love of God is toward us that he allows these shakings to come up because these, these lives we live tend to accumulate things that are not eternal in their value. We tend to accumulate loves and passions and, and desires that don't please God, that, don't, that aren't really eternally significant and might actually be uh, deterring you from spiritual things. And these things get shaken up out of your life. And not just because of a global pandemic. Sometimes it's the death of a loved one. Sometimes it's a disease that you face in your own body. Sometimes you go through a car accident or you lose a job. Shakeups happen in our life all the time. And when that shakeup comes, you realize what's really important and what really matters and what's really valuable. And right now, God is giving the nations of the world an opportunity to say, wait a minute, there is something that's valuable, something that is eternal, and something that is essential, and it is my relationship with God, my relationship to the King. Because His kingdom cannot be shaken. And while everything is moved out of the way, that isn't his, everything that is his remains stable and at peace. The culture of the kingdom of God needs to invade your home tonight. The culture of the kingdom of God needs to invade your heart tonight. Because in the kingdom of God, there is no panic. In the kingdom of God, there's peace instead of panic. There's faith instead of fear. There is joy instead of sorrow. There is praise and adoration. And there is glory for the king in the kingdom of God. And listen, when the kingdom of God is reigning and ruling in your life and the king is sitting on the throne of your life, greater things than what's going on in the world can happen in your life. And it won't shake you. The foundations of the kingdom of God are eternal. And they are 
the only place worthy of your total, complete confidence tonight. Run to the king. Call out to him by faith. He's, he's smiling at you tonight. He's got his arms open to you tonight. He said, come, come to me. Put your trust in me. Put your hope in me. I've got this. And what I have spoken in your life, it's going to happen. Did I tell you that I would be with you always? I'll be with you always. Did I tell you I would meet every one of your needs? I will meet every one of your needs. He's telling somebody tonight, haven't I told you not to worry about what you're going to do tomorrow or about what you're going to wear or about what you're going to eat? I don't allow a sparrow to fall from the sky without my notice. How will I let you go? You're my child. Listen to the heart of your king tonight as he says to you, call upon me in prayer. And when you turn that prayer to God, you say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. I've spoken to you tonight about the king and the kingdom, but look just for a minute. Look at his power. What does the Bible say about the power of our king? The Bible says that there is nothing too difficult for God. Nothing he cannot do. And Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or even can think. According to the power that works in us. That's your king. That's the kind of power that he has. That he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or even imagine. There ought not to be one person in the kingdom of God tonight worrying about anything, anything at all. You leave it to God. Say amen, somebody. There's no promise he can't fulfill. There's no word he has spoken which he cannot keep. There's no prayer he cannot answer. There is no problem he cannot solve. There is no place he cannot go. There is no person he cannot save, and there is no pandemic he cannot heal. He is the everlasting God, the God for whom there is no difficulty and there is no impossibility. It is to him that you and I run tonight. Jesus said, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. He was speaking of his father. We speak of our father tonight, and we say, God... Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours is the glory. Right where, you are, right where you are, bow your head with me. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on, just lift your hands to heaven. You say, Pastor, I'm sitting in my living room, my dining room. I don't care. Lift your hands to heaven. And just start praising God. Start thanking him. Just out of your spirit, out of your inner man, tell him how good he is. 
how faithful he's been. He already knows, but when you praise him, he inhabits your praises. And right now, some of your houses desperately need an invasion of the culture of the kingdom of God. You desperately need an invasion of the presence of God. So come on, just open your mouth. That's the third thing you need to do. Open your mouth and just begin to praise him out loud. All over the, all over the world where you are doing this, God is meeting you right there. And he's bringing deliverance, he's bringing healing, he's bringing hope, he's bringing joy, he's bringing peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, your church, gather around to say thank you, to praise you, to honor you. We lift our hands in worship and in surrender to the living God. We acknowledge there's no God above our God. You are the ruler and the reigning king of our hearts and of the whole world. We lift our voice to you in glory and in praise. Because when we were sick, you healed us. When we were discouraged, you raised us up. When we were lost, you found us. When we were sinners bound for hell, you saved us. And you brought us into the kingdom of your beloved son. We worship you tonight and we give you praise and glory. Because from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name, O Lord, will be praised. God forbid that in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of fear and panic, that the church should stop praising you. You are the only one worthy of praise. I've got to thank you. I've got to praise you. I've got to worship you because you know what you're doing and you will do what you have spoken. And what you have promised will come to pass. Your faithfulness is new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. Oh, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth. Oh, God, on earth we desperately need it. On earth as it is in heaven. Meet every single need tonight. Flood every living room, every kitchen, every bedroom. Fill every place, every back porch, anywhere that someone is watching this service. I pray that your spirit will flood their life and their heart. And that the glory of God would bring the kingdom of God to bear on every situation that they face tonight. In the name of Jesus. I pray for the sick tonight in Jesus' name. If you have a sickness in your body, just lift your hands to heaven. I come against every spirit of infirmity. I declare the healing power of Jesus is touching your life right now. In Jesus' name, I declare Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. God's property is health and healing right now. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for financial breakthrough in the life of every one of your, of your believers, of every one of your children tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray for jobs. I pray for open doors. I pray for unexpected financial release. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for peace. Where there's panic, where there's insecurity, let there be peace tonight. In Jesus' name. And Father, we pray that you will raise up a hedge against this coronavirus. Let it not spread any further, but let it come to an end. Because your people have called upon you in faith. We plead the blood of Jesus tonight. We speak, O oh God, in confidence. Our God is stronger. Our God is able. Our God will deliver. 
To your name be the glory and the praise forevermore.